That's spelled S-Y-T-S-E. Ja, en I'm Jedidja. En dat is spelled uh, J-E-D-I-D-J-A-H. And if you want to know why we spell out our names, uh, keep listening uh, to the end and uh, we will explain it all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, and uh, what we do in this podcast is uh, we uh, talk about the history and the music of the, the rock band Nirvana. Yes, we do. And that has uh, led us to um, the summer of uh, 1992. And uh, we're going to pick up the story on the August uh, 30th uh, of that year. Um, because that's the day the band played a legendary gig, right? Yes, it uh, definitely did. We uh, talked before about uh, playing Reading in 1991. Well, guess what? They were back at the Reading Festival in 1992. And uh, 1991 was um, pretty awesome. But 92 was bigger and better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in 1991, they were like in the slipstream of Sonic Youth, I think. Yep. Uh, and they were a band a lot of people uh, still had to discover or they maybe just recently heard of them and wanted to check them out. A year later, they were the biggest band in the world or at <laughs> yeah. least one of the biggest bands in the world and everybody knew them and uh, everybody wanted to see them. So there was a, a big difference. Yeah, definitely. Um, they were even so big that they got to decide part of the lineup of Reading. So they were allowed to uh, suggest bands that they uh, could basically take along and promote at the festival. Yeah, well, well the way I understood it is that they didn't just uh, suggest bands, that the bands, probably mostly Kurt, basically could program the entire day <laughs> yeah. that they were uh, playing themselves. Yeah, it was a sort of a, um, part of the, the contract, so to say, to uh, be able to do that. Otherwise, they wouldn't come. Um, so they took some friends. Yeah, and then ABBA cover, cover band. Uh, yes. That's, uh, <laughs> for some reason, uh, Kurt uh, put um, Bjorn again, the ABBA tribute band on the bill. Yeah, um, apparently he uh, he was a big fan. It wasn't a joke. He, he really uh, genuinely liked them. Uh, he was a big fan of ABBA themselves. So, uh, and I thought he thought Bjorn again was a great tribute band. So Yeah, and maybe yeah. there were. I must say, I've, I've never checked them out. They're good. And uh, do you know how they were received by the crowd that day? To be honest, I have no idea. It's '92. I'm not sure. I don't think we were in an ABBA revival period during that time. That was a couple of years later when that Mamma Mia movie hmm. was released. I don't know which year that was. '99 or something like that. I don't know. So I don't think it it was like the height of ABBA revival <laughs> just yet. But I mean, it's it's Reading, so. People in the UK, I mean, they love Eurovision, so <laughs> I, I think they they probably would have liked it. Yeah, that's yeah. probably the only um, thing they like about Europe. <laughs> the <Eurovision laughs> <Yeah>. Song contest, <laughs> yeah. But probably more people came to see Nirvana than people that showed up and bought a ticket for the Re Reading Festival just to see Bjorn again. Yeah, I think we can safely assume that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it wasn't like a, a sure thing that Nirvana playing a gig like this, um, a festival show for a very, very big crowd, would be a success because they hadn't really done that a lot uh, no. on such a big stage and, 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 and stuff. No, no, that's totally true. And, and like we said, they were at Reading the year before, but without any big expectations. So 
they didn't have to bring like their A game because if you're not the headliner, it's totally different. For most people, uh, it's probably something. If it's good, then it's like a, a nice extra. Yep. And if it it's not that good, then it's a good opportunity to grab a beer and chat with some friends. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. About Nirvana and other grunge bands um, and playing major gigs like like this one, uh, we have a, a quote by uh, producer Jack Andino. It's one you suggested. It's from the documentary we've uh, we've talked about before. Um, what's it called again? Oh, hype, 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 hype. Not sure. <laughs> I, I, I think so. Okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to uh, play the quote, and in the meantime, we've got to think about it. <laughs> Some bands get on stage, and they're they're basically entertainers they have you know they have a shtick they are giving you a show some bands get up there and they rock and you can tell the difference that's why seattle bands tend to be a little bit inconsistent live i think is because most of them aren't really up there to be entertainers they're up there to rock out and their best shows are when they're having the most fun not when they necessarily have their act down because maybe they don't have an act he puts it very well and makes it very clear um what kind of the theme of this episode is i think yep and <laughs> um, in the meanwhile I, I saw you looking at your phone did you look yep. up the name of the documentary it's, we took this from it's uh, definitely hype yeah, yeah okay good <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so um i think you know this sort of unpredictable band that yep. they were it, it's kind of fun if you um see them on a good night because yep. then you know oh we really got lucky we got to see <laughs> exactly. the real good thing I think that's an interesting way to to look at it. It's not like they deliver the same show night after night after night and it's like a routine for them. No, definitely not. And I think that's I mean that's one of the the good things. On the other hand, if you mess up in front of 50,000 people, um you mess up big time. <laughs> mm. And I think that in general, if you're the headliner for a festival and people, especially at festivals, pay even more money to see you than for smaller gigs, um, you also sort of have a responsibility to have some sort of quality, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's that's a hard thing to uh, to do. But I, I can imagine, just like, like in the, the quote we just heard, that that is also something that Nirvana, but also other bands might not always have realized in that uh, way. And even if they did sort of realize, they probably decided to uh, not think about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I, I think for Nirvana and um, a lot of other bands that came from the same scene, they probably felt that the bigger the crowd, the more estranged they felt from it. Yep. And maybe the less um, connected they felt from the audience, the less they felt the need to put the effort in or something like that. Yeah. Maybe. And, and Sometimes, not always. but Yeah, could be. And I think there's, as we'll see throughout this episode, Nirvana during their bigger concerts also try to have fun themselves. I think that is also part of that disconnect with the audience. Like we're on stage, at least we're going to try to have fun. <laughs> And then if you're lucky, that fun transcends to the audience and they have fun as well. But if that fun isn't isn't really working on stage or isn't really thought out, then it doesn't transcend to the audience. So yeah. there's that as well. Yeah. And, and there was another reason why people were 
expecting a lot, but also not sure about what they would get. Yep. Because there were rumors flying around all day about Nirvana is going to show up, Nirvana is not going to show up, uh, that they already broke up the band. Uh, I believe at this point they hadn't played for almost two months. There was a lot going on in in, uh, Kurt's private life, uh, which is um, uh, drug problems and uh, legal problems as as well after he became a father. So so there was a a, a lot of weird stuff going on, I think, and a lot of insecurity about... (laughs) Yep. If they were going to play at all, and if so, in what condition they were. Which was something that the band was aware of, which they also sort of parodied um, at Reading. Shall we listen to that? Yep. Because um, the uh, live recording of the uh, festival show got uh, released in 2009, which, by the way, is an, an excellent uh, record, I think. Yep. But they left out some interesting stuff that <laughs> exactly. happened during the show. So I thought it would be fun to um, focus a bit on the stuff in between the songs that didn't make the official release. Yep. Uh, but of course, you can you can find it on, uh, on bootlegs. Let's start with the introduction. Yes. It's pretty legendary, I think. <laughs> Kurt got in a, a, a white doctor's coat and he had a weird wig on his head. I think it was a doctor's coat, but it was super supposed to be more of a um like a patient yeah um that's the vibe he was going for at least definitely and he was in a wheelchair yeah so he got rolled on stage like that yeah do you know who uh, was the guy who pushed him on stage i definitely know who the guy was (laughs) (laughs) points. yeah because i made notes about that because i have (laughs) some interesting fun facts about that but let's talk about that later (laughs) okay cool yeah um oh he's he's everett true by the way that's his name for people who are now like what are you talking about? Yeah, and that's the uh, British journalist uh, that was flown in by the uh, Subarp uh, guys, uh, Nirvana's first record label, yep. to give them promotion and attention, especially uh, in the UK, which um, paid off really well. Yep. And also, he became a bit of a friend of the band. So. And then later on, I mean, as we're talking about him, let's have those fun facts. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> later on, he got into a big fight with Courtney Love. Um, years after Kurt had died because they released um, the game Rock Band with Nirvana in it. Uh, like the, the, the video game in which you can play along with songs. And they had Nirvana in it and the game has actually a virtual um, Kurt Cobain. So you can, you can be him. And basically Everett True wrote an article about it and he called out Courtney Love and the rest of the uh, band members saying that they should never have done that. And Courtney Love got really upset with him and, and was like, oh, you, you, I, I didn't have anything to do with this and you shouldn't write this and, and basically uh, <laughs> make the, made the row even bigger. But eventually it turned out that um, although Chris and Dave didn't know about this, uh, they, they, I mean, they'd said, yes to using Nirvana songs. They didn't know about Kurt being in there, but they released a statement saying they didn't like it either, but they had no say about Kurt, yeah, obviously. Which is true because which is true. Courtney Love is the one who has the... Exactly. Like the, the imaging rights. I, yeah. I, I don't really know yes, what the exactly. English term is for it. But yeah. I... But Courtney said to, to Everett, like, yeah, you shouldn't be messing with me about this because I hate it as well. And then the producers of the video game actually released a statement saying... 
that Courtney Love had given them not just the permission to do it, but had also actively worked with them to um, make Kurt's likeness. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think uh, she and Everett True ever uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, became I think, friends anymore. But Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of people hated the fact that you can um, play that game as Kurt, yep. and then you can let him play... Um, other songs other songs from other bands yeah. and also some bands he probably despised yeah so, I although yeah. i i think that having kurt play other people's songs isn't a problem per se because he played a lot of covers hmm. but yeah having kurt play uh, guns and roses song or whatever might not be <laughs> yeah that, that's right anyway, anyway yeah yeah that's ever true yes. he also wrote a book by the way yep like we said before, everybody who ever shook uh, Kurt Cobain's hand eventually <laughs> ends up writing a book. Yep. It's an interesting book, I think. Yep. Yep. Um, there's a, it's a very personal yep. interpretation and reflection on the, on the Kurt and the band. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a good read. Yep. Anyway, back to the Reading Festival. <laughs> yes. uh, Everett True, the journalist, uh, came, uh, rolled uh, Kurt in a wheelchair on stage. First, he uh, uh, directed him to the wrong microphone, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so, so they, yeah. They, they changed course halfway uh, through. <laughs> I think um, uh, Everett uh, later said that he was very drunk <laughs> while doing <laughs> <Probably>. that. <laughs> while, while doing that. And um, let's have a listen to uh, what happened uh, after uh, that. It was such sacrifice. Snow, self, such... He'll do... can we say about this it was such a great way to open the yeah, show mocking perfect. all the rumors that were flying around and um yeah do, do you know why he sang the rose by the way um i'm not sure but during that period uh it was the height of the uh, aids awareness um and the rose had been adopted as kind of a song um that um envisioned the whole uh fight against aids um, it was used in memorial services, stuff like that, uh, also to raise funds. Um, so that's the only connection I can make um, that might be useful. Um, maybe there were rumors about him being ill or having something like that. I mean, drug abuse, uh, uh, using needles, stuff like that uh, could yeah. cause AIDS. So. Who knows? That was the reason. Yeah. Or yeah. he just liked the song. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll probably never know uh, for sure. But uh, um, yeah, after he sang those uh, two lines, he fell down. Yep. That's when you hear the uh, the audience uh, cheer. And then he uh, strapped on his guitar and um, uh, they uh, launched into a breed. Yep. Um, which is, by the way, an awesome song to start a show yes, with. Yes, definitely. 
yeah so um that, that that's the start of the show um during the performance they kept sometimes referring to uh what had happened to them the last few uh last few months um so um here's a little uh, example of that this isn't our last show so whoever's been talking about shit this I would like to officially and publicly announce that this is our last show. Or today. Until we play again um, uh, on the November 2. We're going to play in November, right? Or do you want to record a record before? We're going to record a record in November. Yeah, so that was nice. <laughs> I mean, it's so cool if you were there at that time and everybody was concerned about the band and, yep. and, and and Kurt and then to hear them say stuff like that and you know it makes the impression that they were really lighthearted about it yep. and in good spirit and not too concerned with uh, everything that was going on so that was really uh, yeah really cool i i also think that this might also be a reference to to David Bowie um who did a legendary Ziggy Stardust concert and said, this is the last time we'll ever play, <laughs> which apparently his band didn't know either. Oh, <laughs> And there's right. like a, a, a um, concert video and, and a record of that. And it's quite, it's, it's something that's quite legendary among David Bowie fans. So I can, I can imagine that he might've thought like, oh, that's, that's cool. Just <laughs> do oh. that drop that bomb and see what happens and then have that discussion so oh that's interesting I, ne yeah. I ne never considered that I thought they were just you know addressing all the rumors that yeah. were uh, it, might, it might be a coincidence them. but it's something that that just came to my mind that yeah. might be relevant. and of course you as a big David Bowie fan have, has to name drop <laughs> David Bowie every now and then <laughs> uh, I we'll, we'll get to David Bowie again uh, in a Absolutely. future episode. So I have a feeling he'll he'll come up again yeah. <laughs> uh, sooner or later. <laughs> I by the way I can totally um, get why they uh, left some of this stuff off the um, released yep. recording of the um, concert. Although the rose would have been a nice introduction. Yep. I think. Yeah, that could have been nice. But it's um, I I like the fact. I mean, we've been. Um, uh, criticizing some of the uh, albums that came out, especially after Kurt's death um, already, because sometimes they're a bit of a mess. Uh, but I think in this case, uh, the, the Reading uh, release is well done. It's really tight. The fact that they took out stuff like this makes it a record that you can play. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> I mean, some of those live live albums can be annoying because if there's a lot of talking in between, you sort of like it. It gives you the feeling of live, but it can be annoying yeah, <laughs> at the same and, and, time. And then what they always do is they have the introduction of the next song at the end of the previous song. Yes. And it's really annoying because yep. if you uh, listen to a loose track or have it on shuffle or something like that, it doesn't make any nope. sense at all. <laughs> Indeed. That's, that's always <laughs> <laughs> yeah. annoying. But I, I totally agree because I well, I have the record right here in my hands. It's uh, It looks really good. It sounds yep. really good. It makes total sense that I picked um, this show to uh, to put out. So yeah, it's absolutely very, very well done. Although I must say there's one thing that I think that would have been a really nice addition yep. to the record because I think it's a pretty remarkable uh thing that kurt did he wasn't very uh 
talkative usually on stage. He never yeah. did long speeches or introductions or anything, especially not in a sincere, <laughs> heartfelt way. But no. he did on this occasion. Uh, I see you're already nodding, so <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing you know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, he introduced um, a new song at that time, All Apologies, in a very uh, special way. So uh, I have that lined up as well. This song is dedicated to my 12-day-old daughter and my wife. And um, there's been some pretty extreme things written about us, especially my wife, and she thinks everybody hates her now. So um, this is being recorded, so why don't you give her a message and say, Courtney, we love you. Okay, ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Thanks. Yeah, I think that was so special that maybe they could have considered keeping that on the record. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Sweet and and really sincere. Um and yeah nice also i think he was really um taken up with the fact that there was such a negative um atmosphere surrounding uh, especially courtney yeah uh, have you ever seen that uh, that video of him meeting a young boy backstage mm, it doesn't ring a bell if you uh, go uh, on youtube and you search for don't smoke kurt says something like that <laughs> okay i think it's Probably right before the show, mm-hmm. could be after, I think it before the show, uh, a young um, British boy walks up to him and asks for an autograph. Right. Um, and, uh, and then he says, oh, I, I really like you and you're my hero and uh, I like your wife too. Aww. And then you can see Kurt light up a bit and say, oh, well, thanks. Uh, not a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah. And then he said, uh, while he was having a cigarette in his mouth, don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. And, and, and meanwhile, uh, the father of the uh, boy was asking for drumsticks all of the time. <laughs> he was what? like interrupting the conversation with, oh, do you have like uh, drumsticks or something? Because he wanted wow. to have like some memorabilia yeah, yeah weird yeah uh but anyway it's it's a funny it's asking the wrong guy uh, yeah that's true yeah <laughs> i think kurt gave the boy like a plectrum or something like yeah. that I, I don't know but um yeah it was a nice interaction and, yeah um cool. pretty pretty sweet so uh, look it up uh, uh yeah sometimes if you if you will now the only song from the concert that's not on the album uh is love bus i don't know why they left it off do you know I have no idea. Could be a rights issue, maybe. Yeah, because know. it's a cover song. Yeah. Yeah, but there's other cover songs. Oh, yeah, that's true. That are on the album. Yeah. I yeah. I guess either they weren't that happy with how it came out, yeah. or um, they couldn't cram it all on uh, <laughs> <Exactly>. on the <laughs> CD, um, <laughs> yep. and they had to sacrifice one one song, um, perhaps. Um, but that's Love Buzz. Of course, you can find um, that version uh, online if you want to. Uh, and another thing that's left of the uh, album is their um, famous introduction <laughs> to uh, to "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Yes, uh, which well, it's it's a cover as well because they were jamming on uh, "More Than a Feeling." Yeah, I think the story behind it is that they um, were criticized when uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" became such a big hit that the guitar riff was 
kind of similar to the guitar riff of More Than a Feeling. Yeah. And, uh, well, they decided to have some fun with it. Uh, they're, they're, they're being great sports about yeah. the criticism and acknowledging <laughs> exactly. that there's it's not uh, unfair to compare the two riffs, but uh, um, you can also hear that they are different. Um, anyway, this is a Nirvana covering Boston. <laughs> I think half of the people in the audience had no idea why they were doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Probably later were like, oh yeah, that actually does sound the same slightly. Um, Yeah, but that's not a thing that's been uh, uh, cut off uh, on the album version. So uh, perhaps some listeners never uh, never heard this and uh, now you have. Um, There's one last thing I would like to play from the, the Reading show that didn't make it to the uh, official album and uh, that's the end because one then he uh, decided to jam on a (laughs) very familiar tune This definitely should have been on the album because it's quite clearly a nod to um, fellow Seattle guy, uh, Jimi Hendrix, who did that at the legendary Woodstock. So, I mean, this should have been on the album. Yeah, probably. Yeah, they end the show with the territorial pissings and they could have cut out some of the noise in between and some of the cheering of the crowd and have have this on there. Yeah. Yeah. But um, oh, n- n- now we do start uh, criticizing uh, the release. <laughs> but we, we just said that it's, it's, it's excellent, and, uh, yeah. and it is. Yeah. But if we would have uh, done it, it would be even better. Exactly. Yeah. So call us whenever you want to uh, yeah. release a live album, whoever yeah. you are. Courtney, Dave, <laughs> whoever. <Yeah. laughs> Give us a call and we'll, we'll make it happen. Uh, so we've, we've listened to a lot of uh, uh, like... Outtakes from uh, from the show. Is there any w- one uh, song in particular that we, you would like to have listened to, just oh. to remind us how great the show was? Let's go to "Breed," just because, like you just said, it's a great opener.
awesome. Just yeah. think of him being like the patient and then doing this, like just straight into it and and with that energy and also like a perfect execution of this song by all three of them. That's yeah, you amazing. can really have the idea you can really um hear and feel the excitement of yeah. the crowd that oh they're actually playing and doing this and 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 they're good and they're and they're good and <laughs> yeah. it's a song that we know because sometimes <laughs> they would start with a weird noisy yep. jam and usually that that's not a good sign but uh yeah it's uh, yeah it's awesome so uh if you haven't already uh go check out uh the live at reading uh, uh recording it's on spotify and wherever if you're listening to this you probably already know that so uh um then after um this show uh, they well they did the mtv uh, awards yep which we talked about in our um not in our previous episode but three episodes ago yep we kind of um uh, took our liberties with uh, <laughs> the chronologic uh, order there um but after that they didn't do a lot of shows anymore no they they shot the in bloom video in between i think uh because that was going to be released just before incesticide was released as well um but just some solo stuff i yeah. think kurt did, did some solo and, and some stuff. fundraising yeah fundraising shows. and and i think kurt did something with mud honey some sort of appearance in one of their shows yeah, right. but yeah not as a band yeah, um, and well, we heard uh, Kurt say it uh, uh, on the record just there that they were preparing for uh, their next album. So they had to work on that. Um, they had had a very um, unfortunate setback because Kurt had uh, some notebooks and some tapes with ideas for songs and lyrics. Uh, yeah. While he was uh, away on tour, he decided that the best place to uh, keep them safe was in a bathtub. Yep. And then there was some problem with the plumbing or something like that, and it all flooded and was destroyed. Yep, that's horrible. Yeah, I like the other day I read on um, the Nirvana Reddit uh, forum that uh, somebody thought that it, it was uh, probably uh, songs for the next two or three albums or something like <laughs> that, and that there was a, a huge amount that was lost forever. And I think it was a bit less dramatic than that sure there must have been some stuff on there but i don't believe everything was amazing um as it never is uh, if you have like lots of notebooks with lots of ideas usually like five or ten percent of that actually gets released anyway so yeah, it's more and, of and a, maybe some of the stuff you can also recreate yeah yeah if you're lucky yeah sometimes you do like the good stuff you usually remember <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I do think that uh, for Kurt personally, it was a big, big setback. Yeah. I mean, he was an artist um, and being an artist, it's horrible to see your work being destroyed in any case. So, yeah. Yeah. And some of those notebooks probably contain some personal stuff as well. Yep. And also, I think he was under pressure of releasing the next album. Yep. So he had to come up with new songs. Yeah. And... Um, well, of course, we're going to talk uh, more about um, the In Utero album that followed this period uh, a bit more later. But I think some of the songs on there are older songs. Yep. And maybe they wouldn't have made the cut if he had more uh, new original material. Yeah, and perhaps be. in the lost tapes, there was some stuff that he wanted to use. Yeah, could be. And, we don't and know. let's not forget that 
um, this wasn't his most uh, healthy period. Um, so I can also imagine that it maybe took him some more time to come up with new stuff or remember things that had gotten lost. So, yeah. But anyway, they did hit uh, the studio yep. to make some uh, some demos with uh, Mr. Uh, Jack and Dino, who yep. we heard uh, in, uh, at the beginning of this podcast. They're, uh, they're uh, a producer of their uh, first album. Um, but it wasn't a very fruitful session, <laughs> I think. No, they had uh, two days in the studio and apparently Kurt never showed up on the first day. Um, so that wasn't a big help. Uh, no. <laughs> and he did show up the second day. Um, but I don't think it. they they did very well. They weren't really focused. I can imagine also with the band not actually having played live or even really rehearsed and not really seeing each other in the meantime two days in the studio or in Kurt's case just one you can't expect the magic just happen because you need to sort of re-get to know each other yeah and um, it's probably due to the fact that Kurt skipped one day um, that uh, a lot of these recordings are um, instrumental takes only so there's no uh, vocals on that one so- new song that he did sing on was uh, was Rape Me. And um, he was not the only one singing on the song. <laughs> you requested this, so uh, yeah. I suggest uh, that we're going to listen to it first. And uh, then uh, you can tell us why you wanted to include this. floor is yours <laughs> well i don't think uh, uh i have to explain much this is uh oh it's a story that that a lot of people will know and also it's sort of quite obvious um <laughs> courtney and uh little francis came along to see them in the studio uh which was already probably very annoying for jack and dino and the other two guys in the band because they already lost time and then when someone with a baby comes in the attention definitely goes to the baby and the wife. <laughs> yep. But uh, Kurt did want to record, so he basically had Francis on his lap uh, while doing the recording for the vocals for Rape Me, which is obviously a really weird combination. Yeah. <laughs> it also says a lot about how obviously Kurt was also preoccupied with his personal life at that moment, I mean, at, which makes t- total sense. It's an interesting listen to hear those instrumental demos. Yeah. Um, and they also uh, did two more like jams. Yep. That got released later. Um, one is simply called Jam and the other one's called a Forgotten Tune. So um, let's have a listen to that. And then we're going uh, to uh, Argentina. Yeah.
Dinosaur that never um, got to be like a full Nirvana song. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it doesn't sound that bad, I think. No, you hear like sort of snippets of other songs in there and, and yeah. At, at, at least uh, we, we got that out of those sessions, which is uh, very interesting. Um, even though, like we said, it wasn't the best uh, preparation for the next album. No, I think they didn't really know what they wanted yet at that moment either because I know Jack and Dino later said that like he he obviously sort of hoped that he could be their producer on the next album because they didn't want the same sound as Nevermind but they never really spoke about that to him and eventually they didn't go with him so that there was like this this weird kind of like we need to record but we're not sure yet what and who and how. Well, I'm I'm not sure if I agree because um, I saw an interview with uh, Andino um, not that long ago done mm-hmm. by uh, Daniel Sarkissian. I mm-hmm. had to <laughs> look look for the right, right. name. Yeah, um, who is uh, do, doing some great work, by the way. Um, yep. Interviewing people for a YouTube channel that had something to do with Nirvana and other rock, rock bands uh, as well. And there, Andino said that um, the name of um, Steve Albini, the one yep. who ended up uh, producing uh, the next album, was already flying around and that he never had the idea that he was seriously considered oh. to, to do that. So, But still, they did go and record with him. Um, yeah. just because but, they had to do something. So they were, I, I mean, I, I, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with Jack and Dino, obviously. <laughs> um, they weren't going into the studio like, oh, this is now our studio time to record a new album. It was just like, okay, we need to get into the studio. We need to start working together again. Um, but that wasn't defined yet. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It was like a first try to yeah. find their way exactly. that would eventually lead to the next yeah. album. Yeah, True. Um, but we promised our um, listeners a trip to Argentina. Yeah. So uh, so here we go. Yes. Let's <laughs> on, go uh, Evita. Oh, yeah. No, that's a different album, right? No, it's the same. <laughs> um, <laughs> in, uh, uh, towards the end of October, uh, the band went to uh, Buenos Aires in uh, Argentina to do a very big show uh, for like 50,000 people. And um, it was like the the opposite of the <laughs> the Reading uh, show, I think. That was yeah. like their glorious comeback in a way. Yeah. Um, but this was like their unglorious. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not sure if it was a disaster, but it, it wasn't a good show. That's nope. for sure. The story that you most hear uh, that's behind that is that um, they asked a band to... Uh, to uh, be their uh, support act called yep. Calamity Jane, yes, which is an all-female rock band, and apparently the crowd was really hostile against them, yep. and uh, Kurt was really pissed off by that and decided to uh, to mess up the show. Yep, he just basically didn't like the audience and uh, <laughs> decided to not put his effort in. Yeah, which which I I mean I I get that sentiment. Um, it's it's not very professional, but emotionally I get it especially if you think about how important he he thought like women's rights and women's bands and stuff like that was so that must have hurt yeah on the other hand there were 50,000 people in the crowd yeah. and I'm I'm convinced that not 50,000 <laughs> all 50,000 people were um, were doing that no. and 
maybe some of the people just didn't really like the band yep. and it wasn't like a sexist hostile exactly. thing although well Kurt did took it that way yep. so um and yeah he wasn't the kind of guy that <laughs> lectured the crowd or anything oh. would just be pissed off and, and yeah. get back to them <laughs> yeah and and you can hear that right from the start i think um or we just listened to the uh beginning of the reading show um Let's have a listen to the first song they played in Argentina. It's, they just started off with a with a jam, and I think it sounds pretty good, by the way. But uh, if you're playing in front of a big crowd, it's probably best to um, <laughs> get them on board by a song that they might recognize. It doesn't sound bad, but it sounds lackluster. I mean, you can you can hear from from Kurt's vocals that he was like, "Yeah, I'll I'll do some singing, I guess." <laughs> yeah. But it's not like <laughs> yeah. The track later was titled Nobody Knows I'm New Wave. <laughs> wow. I don't know who came up with that or why, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I pretty much from the start, it's clear that it wasn't going to be a good, it wasn't going to be a good show. And um, well, you could also say that maybe they weren't just, you know, in their best um, mood or maybe yeah. it just didn't work out, but they intentionally sabotaged the show. That's yeah. pretty clear. I mean, at uh, <laughs> Um, I just said um, maybe it's good to get the uh, audience on board with a song that they know. Well, there's one song of Nirvana that everybody knows <laughs> and a lot of those people probably came to hear and they heard some of it. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, we're going to listen to uh, all of it right now. So that's all they played from uh, <laughs> from uh, Teen Spirit. Uh, uh, that's definitely a uh, F you to the uh, audience. Yeah, and he didn't do it uh, once. He, uh, he did it uh, twice. <laughs> so there you go. Gert himself later said about his show um, that he play the uh, Teen Spirit intro like 10 times or something like that. <laughs> he uh, he made a bigger story out of it than it actually yeah. was. He probably uh, didn't expect that people would actually record the show <laughs> and later look it up. Um, they did it twice, but but still, it, like you said, it's like an F you to the, yeah. to the audience. And, uh, the, the way they quit playing that song twice is it's so clear that they decided to do it like this beforehand um because it's like perfect timing to stop yeah. playing yeah it's not like um as if uh the other band members want to continue it and then exactly kurt, only kurt stops yeah. yeah yeah i think so too too bad for the for the nice people in argentina yeah. 
who never got the chance to see uh, Nirvana on a good night uh, no. because uh, they never uh, they never came back. They never came back. The whole continent of uh, <laughs> South America never really got much from Nirvana as far as uh, live shows go. No. Um, you just said that you looked it up that they had played in Mexico once, yep. I think. 91, I think. Which is Middle America, right? Yep. So it's not even South America. Um, and Argentina, well, only got this sh- uh, show. But then um, <laughs> we uh, uh, fast forward to uh, January of uh, 1993. And then Nirvana uh, went uh, to, Arge- uh, to to Brazil. <laughs> So now we uh, skip forward to uh, January of 1993 and then Nirvana went to Brazil. Yeah, they did two very, very big shows uh, there because uh, apparently they were really, really popular. And it was part of a, well, not like a like a festival, but it was called the Hollywood Rock Festival, right? Yeah, but it's a bit weird. It's two days at um, Sao Paulo and two days in Rio um, with different lines of lineup every day um, and it ran for a couple of years and then sometimes it didn't run because you all also had Rock in Rio and then if Rock in Rio was on there was no Hollywood Rock <laughs> and then I think they stopped doing Hollywood Rock because it was called Hollywood not because of Los Angeles Hollywood but because there was this cigarettes um, brand, yeah. brand called Hollywood and then they had to stop um, sponsoring um, live shows Apparently that wasn't allowed anymore, so then it stopped. So it's a weird kind of festivally sponsored thingy, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, well, they they did get uh, Nirvana to come uh, to the country and and uh, and play. So there must have been a lot of uh, money involved, uh, which is probably the reason why Nirvana went there in the first place. I mean, they didn't go there to play excellent shows. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> no, or maybe they, that was their intention, but it it didn't it didn't happen. I think we discussed this in one of the previous episodes. They said no to a lot of live shows that were big, um, so they weren't that interested in playing shows like that. Um, but I can imagine that uh, a combination of uh, getting a lot of money um, and also the fact, like we just said, that they hadn't. Um, been to that area of the world that often i can imagine that their record company would have also said like like, they are your fans as well and they really need to see you so yeah yeah and it's an interesting mark uh, interesting market yeah yeah definitely um i during that time um like you had uh mtv brazil that started in 1990 which became really big um they had their own section at the mtv uh, vmas as well um there were a lot of bands in that area that really looked up to the American rock bands. Uh, so it was definitely a really big market during that time. The first show was in uh, in Sao Paulo. There were uh, tens of thousands of people. And um, uh, I don't really know what happened, but Kurt probably was high on something. Most likely. Most likely. And they didn't play uh, very well. And at some point... It- feels like they kind of gave up and just made a mess out of it. Yeah. And they didn't put in any effort at all. And they swapped instruments at one point. Yes. Yeah. So Kurt uh, became the drummer. Uh, Dave became the bassist. And Chris became the guitar player. Yeah. I think there was a, a, a weird combination of them sort of 
trying to mess up and sort of have fun with it with that combination of different instruments and also playing like weird covers but at the same time not enjoying themselves while doing that because you think like if you switch up instruments and play weird covers that's going to be fun uh, at least Um, but Chris ran off stage apparently after like half an hour and and just didn't want to play anymore so (laughs) it wasn't fun for them either Um, I've heard that they didn't know that the Hollywood referred to a cigarette brand and they felt like it was too commercial or yeah. too yeah they were too much like um, used as a, as a as a promotion for the for the cigarettes I don't really know uh, sure like I said Kurt was wasn't in a in a in the right place to no. put it mildly and uh, yeah so uh, <laughs> let's listen to just uh, a few uh, clips from that um, pretty disastrous uh, <laughs> night. I think this was when they swapped instruments. And uh, while well, you just uh, mentioned uh, Rock in Rio, um, I think Queen once did a very uh, legendary show in Rio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, here's Nirvana doing Queen. Can you just imagine tens of thousands of people watching this? <laughs> and also, I'm I'm amazed at how you can mess up that song, like singing it in the wrong key. Um, when like at the end of the thing, when the bass comes in, it's also the wrong. How can you? <laughs> how can you mess this up? I I mean, messing up the lyrics is one thing, but it's like. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because at this point they probably didn't care anymore and they they had um this contract, so of course they were obliged to play for a certain amount of time. Yep. I think that was the reason um Chris got back on stage because yep. they had to or they, they wouldn't to. get their money and of course they had spent a lot of money to get there and they had people working for them. Yeah. So they they had to do it and they thought, well, okay, yep. so we're going to have to produce sounds <laughs> yep. on this stage which which so. is i i think the weird thing is that apparently chris ran off after about half an hour and their um official time was only 45 minutes which isn't that much no so how they i mean they must have really struggled also quite weird that you're a headliner for a festival uh, with like 50,000 people and you only play for 45 minutes. But w- w- was there in their contract that they had to play for only 45 minutes? Are you sure? At, at, well, a minimum of 45. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but yeah, still, sure. it's like okay. even, I, even I did, that didn't is... Know that. I, I know they had to have like uh, put in like a, a certain amount of stage time. Yeah, I, I read it was 45. So That, that, that is pretty short. And I, I think they even played longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> So um, we have another cover song. You want to listen to them playing the cheerful song Rio in Sao Paulo? In Sao Paulo. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Rio, LG, dance is 
this is just drunk karaoke, basically. It is. <laughs> it is, yeah. A lot of people are convinced that this is the worst show they ever did. I uh, I uh, think it is. At least from from the shows that have been preserved, <laughs> this is definitely the worst. We have one more uh, lined up. Um, are you ready for uh, Seasons in the Sun or we want to wait to the end? Because we also have the yep. uh, studio version of that. Let's let's wait till the end. <laughs> I've <laughs> been tormented enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then um, a couple of days later, I think about a week later, yep. um, they went to uh, Rio de Janeiro uh, to do another show that, like you said, it was part of the same sort of festival. Yeah. Um, and again, it didn't go that well. I no. think it was better than Sao Paulo, but yeah. still, it was a bit awkward. Yeah. Because they had that week in between, which probably sort of helped a bit because they had some time to relax. Um, and apparently they also mingled with some of the other bands and like Red Hot Chili Peppers were there on L7 and things like that. So, yeah, I can imagine that that sort of helped. Yeah, although I must say I've read some uh, very different stories about their time in Brazil. There's one book, I'm not sure which one it is, that um, stated that Kurt was so out of his mind and being suicidal that they had to um, put him in another um, hotel room mm -hmm. because he wanted to jump out of the window of his hotel. And so they had to find one on the, on the, on the ground level. Right. Um, which sounds pretty dark and nasty. Yeah. But then again, there's also um, uh, uh, some more um, positive stories about it. And one of, the, uh, one of those stories is told by uh, Ernie Bailey, their uh, guitar uh, technician, mm -hmm. who was interviewed by uh, Daniel Sarkisian. Like, um, like I said before, uh, go check out his uh, YouTube yeah. uh, channel with lots of interesting interviews. And um, he, re he remembers uh, their time in uh, Brazil as follows. In uh, January of 93, we did two shows. One was in Rio, one was in Sao Paulo. And when we first landed at the airport, um, we had uh, like one of our uh, people who was working with us stop and said, OK, you know, we were kind of at these two double doors. And they said, I kind of want to prepare you when these two doors open. There's going to be a lot of people out there and we're going to we've got these barricades set up and we're going to wheel you through as fast as possible. And we're like, wow, you know, that's, you know, something we've only seen like Beatle films. And, and that was yeah. the case. And, and so, um, and that was like the beginning of how that week started. And it was, it was just kind of crazy and surreal. And, and yeah, I, I don't think like looking back, there was anything quite like it. And, and I think one of the high points was a handful of us went hang gliding and, And it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. I really wasn't a huge fan of heights. Um, but I remember from my hotel balcony, I was watching these uh, hang gliders come down all morning. And so I think the invitation went out the night before and I'd initially said, well, let me think on it. And after watching, you know, all these successful landings, I said, okay, you know, I'm in. And in doing it, it was, um, it was one of the most thrilling. I mean, it was, it was so much fun. It was unreal. And I think that Kurt was the first one that went out And he landed on the beach and then I went out and went out over the water a ways and came back and landed on the beach. And I remember thinking to myself, that's the craziest fucking thing I've ever done in my life. It was unbelievably rad and super fun. And I remember thinking, all right, like, 
cool your jets here because, you know, Kurt's like, he's like crowd surfed at Reading. Like, how do you top that? You know, so, so uh, I remember he said to me, he says, what did you think? I said, yeah, it was pretty good. He said, he said, that was the most fucking amazing thing I've ever done in my life. I was like, <laughs> so, <laughs> like. He obviously has uh, fond memories of that yep. trip. So, yeah, uh, yeah. It doesn't um, sound suicidal at all. <laughs> no. Oh. But yeah, you you can also imagine that that being there for at least a week, um, Kurt and the others had their ups and downs daily. <laughs> it's nice uh, to hear him uh, talk about this in, in such a nice way. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and so then um, they did the, the, the Rio show, which wasn't very good. But it was better than Sao Paulo. Yep. I think that's fair to say. What I think is really funny is that um, they had a, a, a guest star on stage. Yes. Uh, during a, a Smells Like Teen Spirit, that which they played um, uh, in uh, not just the intro, <laughs> but the entire song. Uh, it was uh, it was Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yes. Um, He's mostly known as a bassist, but he can also play the trumpet. Yeah. I think he's even a trumpet teacher. On yeah, a, I think so. On a, some fancy music yeah. <laughs> uh, academy uh, these days. Um, and he uh, came on stage uh, to play the solo on his trumpet. And uh, this is how it sounded. Trumpet doesn't fit the song at all. No. But just imagine being there in that crowd and and being a Nirvana fan and a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. Um, and then just all of a sudden see Flea come out on stage with a trumpet. I mean, that <laughs> must have been amazing yeah. to be there. Yeah. Would have loved to... Uh, to have seen that live. Yeah, absolutely. And it shows that they did have like interaction with the other yep. bands and probably... Uh, and one night over a beer said, oh, why don't you come on, come on <laughs> exactly. stage and play with us? And uh, it's it's fun to know that they had moments like that as well. Um, also, they uh, debuted some new songs on the on this uh, show. Yep. Or, well, not really debuted, but um, they had played them live before some of those. But some of those they, they didn't or just uh, only just a few times, which always is like... Um, a risky thing to do yeah to play something the audience doesn't know um especially if you stretch it out for for a, <laughs> a very very long time exactly. which is uh, what kurt did when they decided to play uh, a scentless apprentice uh, <laughs> um yeah let's <laughs> let's have a listen to it Not only it sounds really crazy, it, it was doing some really weird stuff as well. 
he was running around the stage, uh, spitting yep. at a, at a uh, camera, uh, um, sort of uh, exposing himself to the camera, I think, and touching himself and yep. <laughs> throwing all kind of weird stuff on his guitar, which makes these really crazy, weird noises. Yeah, it's it's it it must have been a um, weird moment for the audience as well. Like, is this is this interesting or genius or going anywhere or is this just sort of messing about? And what are we witnessing at this moment? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can imagine that uh, uh, Chris and Dave were thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> I don't think they rehearsed this. Uh, they. <sighs> I think they think? did. No, I don't think they rehearsed it, but they did have like recording sessions in the week before. Yeah. So I don't know if they tried this one during that period. Like they had three studio days in Rio. So I don't, I'm not sure if they yeah, tried this one. I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah. Um, maybe they had like a, um, a plan. Well, maybe we can have like a moment to jam in, in the middle yeah. of the song and. This is what came out. Yeah. I, I think that Chris and Dave were just keep the beat going. Yeah, and you can hear them just continuing. Yeah. Like, we'll go and, and, and see then, what happens. And then just wait <laughs> if, if Kurt ever comes back to the song. <laughs> exactly. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> just goes on and on. Yeah. This is, remember, this is the guy who said, like, I don't like Pearl Jam because they have guitar solos well this is not a guitar <laughs> solo this is a <laughs> well, feedback noise it, jam he's not he's I, I, I'm not sure if this counts as <laughs> playing the guitar <laughs> yeah yeah still <laughs> no. this is more like a free form break as um, they all also did in Drain You yep, although that true. was more like structured and yep. planned out yeah more spontaneous but uh, and again Kurt seems to be uh, on something I don't know what it was but yeah Yeah. if you look at the footage he definitely took something before he went on stage and I think at at some point um, Dave's arms have to hurt right yeah (laughs) it's his ah Man, this goes even <laughs> this goes on even longer than we can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's you still you're like, where's this going? Where's this going? What's gonna happen next? Hmm. It's, yeah, it's like, oh, he isn't building the tension with the music, but he no. is building the tension with his behavior. Yep, yep, exactly. Look it up online if you want to see the the, the video footage. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. By the way, there are some people who really love this show and, and yep. moments like this. Yep. So I, kn- I know that um, Dave didn't. He later said, well, um, for the Dutch television that he said, well, I'm glad that you're uh, 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 broadcasting the Paradiso show in Amsterdam. And not, I quote, effing Rio. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. 
he I think he was always the, the person who um, tried to behave um, the most professional on stage I think yeah um, he has like the, the least um, weird behavior in general yeah um, so yeah must have been yeah. Annoying. Yay! There he is! <laughs> We're back! <laughs> It's actually a shame that he used that time so long because it's a good song. And now, like, when you debut something like that, the audience could love it. It's like, I don't know it, but this yeah. is good. Uh, but he sort of takes the angle out by doing that whole yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. By the way, what you just said about Dave Grohl, that he was the one at least trying to, to make an effort to make it work. Um I think you were spot on there. And well, let's not forget that he later with Foo Fighters, he more or less perfected that yeah. craft. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, during his uh, days in Nirvana, I think once in an interview, he said that stadium shows really sucked because uh, the sound wasn't good and there were too many people and they were too distant. But later he learned how to reach those people. Yeah. I mean, he was really good at doing shows at Wembley Stadium yeah. or big festivals. Uh, that's how they came so big yeah. because they do that in perfection and they're the perfect festival headliners and, and it's always professional and awesome and, and big and strong. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the, yeah, that's like one of the big differences between Nirvana and Foo Fighters yeah. is that Nirvana wasn't a band that could pull that off every yeah. night and probably didn't even want to do that. And Foo Fighters do and they know what to do and, they, they they want to do it. They're yep. they're motivated to deliver the quality that the audience is expecting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. One last thing you already mentioned in the passing by that they had a uh, recording session yep. in uh, in uh, Brazil, in uh, in Rio, a studio over there. And uh, again, this was to prepare for the next album. And I have the impression that these sessions went um, quite a lot better than the ones they did uh, before in in uh, Seattle. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's the biggest value, not just <laughs> of of, the, of this trip to um, to Brazil, not just the, the yeah the strange and more or less funny uh, <laughs> uh, audio that we got uh, got out of it, but um, the fact that it uh, gave us some interesting, nice demos and it helped them to um, to shape the next album. Yeah, really. Emphasis no, on the word shape. Ah, they <laughs> heart-shaped up. Yeah. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally uh, did that uh, on purpose. <laughs> and I promised to look up if, if they uh, recorded The Scentless Apprentice there, and uh, and they did. Mm -hmm. So it was one of the cool. songs on their uh, on their uh, list uh, already, um, along with uh, Milk It and uh, Heart-Shaped Box and some other songs that uh, ended up on the In Utero album and some... Uh, B-sides and, and outtakes like uh, uh, Moist Vagina and I Hate Myself and I Want to Die. But also they did, um, and here it is, Seasons in the Sun. Um, now, um, <laughs> you asked me to put it on the list for um, for this one, the live version. Um, why did you want to hear it? Because it's horrible. <laughs> and I, I like, 
Rio and and We Will Rock You were horrible as well, but the season of the sun is is like it could have been great, and and now you're doing this. It's, yeah. Oh, and and especially you know how how I love harmonies, right? Hmm. Well, especially the moment that Dave comes in on the song. <laughs> That's yeah, sort of harmony but (laughs) maybe wasn't uh, maybe dave wasn't really good at uh playing uh, the bass and singing at the (laughs) same time (laughs) something like that um but it was actually a song that kurt really liked and uh, exactly afterwards they um did it again and recorded it in the studio yep uh and also on video by the way you can uh, find it on youtube and uh, um it was one of kurt's favorite songs and i think they played it just for themselves just for fun Um, and like you said, switching the instruments again. And switching the instruments. And I think in studio it sounds a, a lot better. Yeah. So let's first listen to a snippet of the live version and then uh, uh, cut to the studio version. And I know I was a real big fuck up. And I couldn't hold a job at McDonald's. And you ousted me at the age of 16. I was on the street. I had nowhere to go. Goodbye, Michelle, my little one. always strikes me that even if Kurt sings uh, a happy song it still sounds so sad yeah yeah definitely um there's a sort of a extra melancholy feeling to this song and I I totally get why he loved this song I mean it is a great song um but I also get why he loved it um and obviously this this recording is much better than the horrible live version yeah <laughs> but i i must say i have like a, a soft spot for the, for this recording I yeah mean, you can hear that it's not great and kurt wasn't a good of a drummer and there's there's a lot of r- yeah. things wrong with it but still <laughs> yeah i no, like I, it yeah yeah no I, a I feel to it i totally understand why you have a soft spot for it at the same time i wish they would have recorded this in like the normal band setting because like it has the right feel but you can hear so clearly that um the instrument parts are really basic because they're not playing their own instruments like if you if you really listen closely to especially just the drum or just the bass it's like 
it really sort of like I've had like two weeks of practice and this yeah, is what I a, can it's do. It's a bit clumsy. It's clumsy. And also you can, I think Kurt's vocals are less than optimal also because he's drumming at the same time. And I would have loved to have this kind of energy, but then in, in the right instrument setting, I think yeah. that could have actually been like a beautiful song or maybe on, on like, yeah unplugged version or whatever oh that would be yeah awesome if they played yeah. it on the unplugged show yeah, yeah. well th this is what we got and yeah. uh I'm, I'm yeah like i said it, it wasn't meant to be released or they didn't have any plans for it at no. least as far as i know so it was just for their own enjoyment yep. and uh i think that brings us to the end of this episode almost yeah i don't know if you have anything left to say about reading or Rio, or anything in between? Yeah, the only thing I want to mention is there's apparently um, a lost session they did in December um, with Evan Dendo, the singer of the Lemonheads, who was apparently um, a friend at that time um, of Kurt and Courtney's, and they did some jamming uh, together. And nothing has been uh, preserved of that. But uh, he's had some stories about that later on, on how they how they jammed and how it was just good fun. But it was awkward because apparently he'd either been with Courtney or wanted to be with her and whatever. And Kurt later on found out and he was talking about some sort of threesome that never happened and whatever the guy has weird stories about that okay <laughs> sure i would have loved to listen to that because lemonheads were a really nice nice band um and um would have been nice to to hear what they were up to but it was lost yeah well maybe somebody has, still has it you don't know yep and uh, if you're listening to this and you think, <laughs> oh, I, I have a tape lying around yeah. with those uh, recordings on it, um, feel free to uh, send them uh, to yep. us. And, and we'll make a really nice live album out of it. Yeah. <laughs> because we can. We know yeah. how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, we have to um, artificially edit uh, uh, crowd noises yep. to it. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. And then we're going to leak it on the internet. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I forgot that we already... Uh, <laughs> Um, wanted to get the job of creating Nirvana live albums. Yep. Uh, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, if you have that tape or if you have anything to say to us, uh, you can uh, send us an email and you can send it to uh, surewordpodcast at gmail.com. Um, some people do that. And one of those people uh, who did that is a guy called uh, Michael Marchant. And he wrote to us... Uh, First, I would like to say thank you both for the wonderful work you're doing. I live in Wisconsin and listen to podcasts all day while working. I was lucky to have found uh, the podcast and it's been very informative and you both bring a common man's perspective in your narrative. I am sad that I'm at episode 9 and will be all caught up soon. Would you mind replying with the spelling of both of your first names as I cannot uh, put it in my head when I hear them? Um, keep doing what you're doing and God bless Michael M. That's the answer to the question at the beginning. Why yeah. did we spell our names? Yeah, so it's uh, we're, we're, we've gone full circle. <laughs> yeah, um, and thank you uh, for these uh, nice words about our podcast. Yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, um, and also um, now get back to work. 
Yep. Come on, Michael. <laughs> Definitely stop listening to us and just get that yeah, work done. Pay, pay attention, man. <laughs> Don't get sloppy. Um, he didn't specify what, what, what work he's doing. So, um, well. <laughs> Hopefully he can multitask. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, uh, I'm confident that our listeners are... Uh, are responsible enough <laughs> yeah. that they can do uh, two things uh, at the same time. But uh, but uh, uh, thanks a lot for reaching out to us. It's really uh, really nice to hear uh, that people are um, listening to this and actually enjoying it. And also that some people are a bit concerned about us sometimes. And they are. Because just the I other day it. I got an email from a listener who asked uh, if we were doing all right because we hadn't put out any episodes for for some time and we didn't post any Facebook uh, updates. Um and uh, to answer his question, I, I already replied to email, but uh, um, yes, we are doing uh, quite all right, actually. Yes. Uh, I think the main reason we haven't uh, done uh, a podcast in a couple of weeks is because I moved to another city. Yep. So I was occupied by that. But um, the good thing is that we're once again recording um, in the same room. Yes, we are. Which is good. Uh, which probably won't <laughs> <laughs> happen for a quite a long time because you're going to France for for a year. Yep. You want to share what you're going to do there or? Uh, no, because I can't tell a lot about it. I'm a scriptwriter, and I mainly work in games at the moment. And I'm uh, working on a game that will be released in a couple of years. And um, I have to be in France to do so. So First of all, it's really cool that you're going to France <laughs> for a year because I know that you are really looking forward to it. Uh, but it also means that we're going to have to do... Uh, the podcast uh, Corona style. Yeah, uh, <laughs> back to Corona style again. I'll, I, I'll probably be back every now and then, but yeah, still. Yeah, but uh, we uh, will definitely uh, keep uh, making these uh, these pods. Yes. And, uh, Don't I worry, we'll be back after this episode. Yeah, and I think uh, next up will be um, uh, in utero. Yeah, uh, discussing the album. I'm yep. uh, really looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of interesting footage and a lot of uh, interesting stories uh, to share. Yeah. So uh, that's what we're going to do uh, next time. Yes. Uh, for now, I'd like to uh, thank everybody for listening. I'd like to thank you for uh, joining me uh, once again in my new <laughs> uh, house uh, with, uh, with like new podcast facilities. Yeah, really professional. Yeah, well, I hope um, people can uh, can hear the difference. <laughs> Well, they must be able to hear the difference compared to our very first episode because yes. that was recorded really horrible. <laughs> We're getting professional uh, by and by. so uh, Yeah, maybe one day we'll even earn money. <laughs> that would be really professional. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks a lot for, uh, for joining me again. Um, like I said, uh, feel free to reach out to us if you want to. Um, uh, Sherwood Podcast at gmail.com or facebook.com slash Nirvana Podcast. For now, thanks a lot for listening and till next time. Bye. Bye.